Usually it was only when one of the local soldiers was home on leave that Anna and her girlfriends ever saw the sorts of young men with whom, in different times, they might have danced. And as the war had dragged on, the pool of marriage prospects, in Anna's mind often enough that meant merely her older brother Werner's acquaintances, dried up completely. The soldiers were either missing or disfigured or dead. But then came the POWs, seven of them sent from the prison camp to help with the harvest. And a week after the POWs arrived at Kamenheim, when the corn was almost completely harvested and everyone was about to begin to gather the sugar beets and the apples, there came four naval officers in search of a plow. They were planning to mark a groove through the estate that would be the start of an anti-tank trench. When it was complete, the trench would span the length of the district, bisecting some farms, skirting the edges of others. Meanwhile, different officers were visiting neighboring estates as well, and the Emmerichs were told that at some point in the coming month hundreds of foreigners and old men would follow them and descend on the estate to actually construct the trench. And while the very idea of an anti-tank trench was alarming, the presence of all those handsome young men, the Germans, the Brits, and that one very young Scot, made it a burden Anna was willing to shoulder. This was true, at least in part, because she didn't honestly believe the fighting would ever come this far west. It couldn't. Even the naval officers said this was a mere precaution. And so she would flirt with the Brits during the day in the fields where she would work too, and dance with the naval officers in the evenings in the manor house's small but elegant ballroom. Mutti would play the piano, joined after that first night by Callum Finella on Uncle Felix's accordion, while her father, though distracted by the news from the east, would look on benignly. Sometimes Theo would put his toy cavalrymen away and watch as well, appalled in the manner of any ten-year-old boy that these brave and accomplished soldiers wanted to waste their time with the likes of his sister and her friends. He followed the men around like a puppy. Helmut did, too. But Helmut actually would work with the officers as long as their father allowed him away from the harvest, helping them to find their way around the endless acres of Kaminheim and thus mark out the optimum design and placement of the trench. Then, after dinner, he would dance with Anna's friends, girls who previously he had insisted were too puerile to be interesting. Seeing them now through the eyes of the navy men, however, he was suddenly discovering their charms. Certainly Anna worried about her older brother, Werner, who had already been wounded once in this war and was fighting somewhere to the south, but she had rarely spent any time with men as interesting as this eclectic group who had descended upon their farm that autumn. She and Helmut had learned to speak English in school, though she had taken her studies far more seriously than her brother, which meant that she alone in the assemblage could speak easily to everybody, the POWs during the day and the naval officers at night, and appreciate how erudite and experienced everyone was. At least, she thought, in comparison to her. She was, on occasion, left almost dizzy as she swiveled among conversations and translated asides and remarks. And the longer stories? 
she felt like a star-struck child. When she was in grade school, she had met English families the winter her family had gone skiing in Switzerland, but by 1944 she remembered little more than a very large man in a very poor bear costume, and the way she and the English children together had endured his clownish shenanigans because all of the parents had thought the fellow was wildly entertaining. But since the war had begun, she hadn't been west of Berlin. In the early years they had still taken summer holidays on the beaches of the Baltic or ventured to Danzig for concerts, but lately even those trips had ceased completely. Two of their POWs, however, had seen the pyramids. Another had been to America. And Callum, the youngest of the group, the tallest of the group, and the only one from Scotland, had been born in India, where his father had been a colonial official and had traveled extensively throughout Bengali and Burma and Madras as a little boy. Even the German naval officers were more interesting than any of the country boys or men she had met in her district. They too had seen places in Europe and Africa she'd only read about in books. Initially she had worried that there might be unpleasant sparks when the Germans and the Brits crossed paths, especially on the first morning when the naval officers would be marking out a segment of the anti-tank trench in the very same beet fields where the POWs were working. But the two groups of men had largely ignored each other. It was the next day, when she was working alongside the prisoners in the apple orchard, that one of the POWs, that exuberant young giant named Callum, segued from the usual flirtatious banter to which she had grown accustomed and had come to expect from him, to guarded innuendos about Adolf Hitler, and then, even more problematic in some ways, to questions about the work camps. "'You're such a nice girl, Anna, and so sharp,' he said, as the two of them stood together beside a particularly wiry tree, resting for a moment, mid-morning. There was a military policeman who must have been somebody's grandfather standing guard a hundred meters away, but he was so old he probably wouldn't have heard a word they were saying if they had been standing directly beside him. And your family is much more hospitable than necessary, given the circumstances and all. The POWs were sleeping in the bunkhouse that the farmhands had used before they had either run off or been commandeered by the Reich for work in the mines and the munitions factories. Thank you, she said simply. She was unsure where this conversation was going, but that opening, that apparent surprise that she was such a nice girl, had her slightly wary. She'd been laughing with Callum for days, and the thought crossed her mind that perhaps she had misjudged him, grown too comfortable, too friendly with him, with all the POWs. 